We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. All right, so we are just about done with Ramadan as well as with the class, which I'm sure gives all of you a great sense of relief and joy. No more pain, torture, and agony. Okay. So let's look at, uh, let's continue with the ayahs for today. And once again, Nod, let me know you can see the Quran on your screen. Okay, very good. So smaller than usual. All right. So looking, we're, we're inspired by some ideas as found in ayah uh, 23, and then that section completes in 24. So, kitab. And so, did you, did you not observe those who've been given a share from the book? And then, they are invited to the book of Allah. And so, so that it may decide between them, so it may be used to judge between them. And then a group of them goes back, turning their faces away. And so, so on one level, these are people who claim to be the believers in the book, yet uh, when it comes time to actually apply the book, they resist. And a recurring theme that we've been pointing out in these sections, essentially from Ayah 14 through here, but effectively since the beginning of the surah through here, is that you have Allah on the one hand, who is, you have Allah who is, uh, who has free reign to do as he wills, has absolutely no need for us, right? And yet his default interaction with us is one of Rahmah, but he has no need for us. And then, and so he is free to exert his will in whatever way he, he deems, you know, that he wants to. And then we have the people who are pushing back who are trying to force reality to work the way they want to, that they're trying to live life the way they want to, at times pushing against Allah himself, or so to speak, in theory. And, and those are people who are in power, those are people who own anything, but it also includes people who claim to be believers, especially preachers and such, who claim to be in submission to Allah, but are actually in resistance to Allah. And so I gave that drawing yesterday where in life, either your arrow is pointing towards Allah or your arrow is pointing towards you. And so how do you get your arrow to point more and more towards Allah? One aspect we discussed yesterday was to increase selflessness and increase selflessness. Selflessness in the sense that you are serving others. You're looking at others' needs and wants and trying to fulfill them. And selflessness is that you're decreasing your own narcissism. And one place that we said to, to focus on, to observe yourself, is how much you focus on yourself during the course of your prayers, and as opposed to how much you focus on Allah. And then part of the discussion was also the relationship between love of self and love of dunya. And the idea here is that the more you have love of yourself, the more you'll be seeking to fulfill your own appetites. The default approach of which is through uh, acquisitions through dunya. And then a consequence of that is that akhirah, even though intellectually you may believe that you believe in it, 
becomes increasingly faint, increasingly imaginary. So what is the ideal? The ideal is that Akhira is as real for you as the computer screen that you're looking at. Akhira is as real for you as the moment you're in. And if that's too hard, that's beyond what I'm capable of doing at this moment, at least. If that's too hard, then Akhira is as real for you as tomorrow morning is. If that's too hard, Akhira is as real for you as a year from now is. And then if we add this to, to previous discussions, how to make the Akhira more real, is that you go spend your time in the company of the dead, that you go to cemeteries and you reflect on the fact that they're in cemeteries. Uh, Asif. Um, th this might just be me, but the order of things you just uh, gave feels like it gets harder and harder. Well, wait, like explain further. So Akhira is as real from, for you as a year from now seems more diff difficult than Akhira is as real for you as tomorrow morning. Okay, explain why. Because tomorrow morning feels much more immediate than a year from now. So oh, what I was saying, I'm thinking about it backwards. Okay, so yeah. uh, so how uh, how was I suggesting it? No, no, it was it was the way I was interpreting it. You were saying that if it's too difficult to think tomorrow, think of something less real but still yes. very real. Right. I was thinking, okay, a year from now, it's much less real, and mm -hmm. yeah, right, right. feels like I'm yeah. going backwards, but. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. So as real as you can imagine, whatever it is you're doing a year from now, try to imagine your Akhira being that real. But better than that would be six months from now or a month from now. Better than that is as real as tomorrow morning seems for you, yeah. And better than that is that it's more real than the situation at the moment you're in right now. And that would take some very, very strong faith, which is stronger than the faith that I possess at this moment. Okay, and so another aspect, another way to do this is to spend time among the dead at cemeteries and really reflect upon the people that are, that are dead. That when you're in a cemetery, you're literally in an environment where you have all these people who are six feet underground. Every single one of them had this full life, which might've spanned a couple minutes, might've spanned 80 years, with people potentially mourning for them, people visiting them as, as they had passed away and visiting them. And then those people are buried, sometimes in the same cemetery, sometimes elsewhere, with people visiting them. And then eventually people are getting more and more forgotten. And that is also the nature of this world where everything in this world is nothing but a fleeting uh, uh, thing like the foam on the ocean. Okay. So having said all that, now adding another dimension to this. So why are these people rejecting? Or why are these people turning away? So they're not rejecting, they're turning away. And that is because they have said the fire will not touch us except for a few days. They're deceived in their faith by what they themselves invented. So first, some backstory in terms of the ayah, like the backstory of the ayahs here, that at the time of the prophet, peace be upon him, there were people who were knowingly going against the book. There were preachers who were knowingly going against the book, and they said that even if we go to hell, it's only going to be for a couple of days. So we're eventually going to go to heaven. 
And so the logic was, okay, we can do whatever we want. Hell is not going to be permanent. Hell, eventually, we're going to be out of. And so what is the key issue here? The key issue here, we find another passage. This is around Ayah 83 or 82 of Al-Baqarah, where people are inventing theological beliefs. They're inventing beliefs, perhaps derived by text, but fundamentally not of text. And how do I bring this back to us? Yeah, here we are. And, and so the idea here is that sometimes we will invent beliefs uh, that are not sound or are not strong. And then we will rely upon them. So there's two issues here. One issue is what are we inventing? And then two is the consequence of those beliefs. So for example, uh, it is a sound belief that, that the prophet, may peace be upon him, is going to provide shifa, God-approved shifa, intercession on the day of judgment. Okay. Now, does that mean that we as Muslims don't have to worry about going to hell? What do you think? I'm making it sound like, no, we still have to worry, but argue it. If the prophet is providing us intercession on the day of judgment, meaning there's, if you go to the subcontent, massive, massive movement that argues that we will be provided his shifa. Like, if you ever hear the song, Medina, sweet Medina, very lovely? Okay, okay, y'all have to Google this. This is, this is one of the greatest songs in the history of, of all music. It's literally called Sweet Medina, sweet Medina, very lovely. But there's a point in there where they're also asking for the shifa of the prophet, peace be upon him. So what are your thoughts? How much can we rely upon shifa of the prophet? Anyone? Asim. Um, I think this, this goes back to the, my, one of my favorite Arabic sayings uh, is uh, trust in God, but tie your camel. So it's the same thing here, right? Just because, j- yes, we can count on it. If, if, if the prophet said that he'll intercede on our behalf, we can count on that. Great. But that doesn't mean we don't do our part. Okay. Uh, so, so what would our part be? The, you know, following Islam, five pillars, six articles of faith, the whole, the whole nine yards is just three different numbers. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Zishan, you were, uh, you're, uh, speaking. No, no. I was just thinking that was like, Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I feel like that's more the intercession part is like, yeah, for everyone, it's like a general thing, but it's probably the mercy from God from instead. Okay, okay, fair enough. Uh, Jewel says, does Allah allow him to do this for everyone? I feel sad to make him do that. Uh, I don't know that no. it causes him any struggle to do that. It seems that it would be a special privilege. Uh, and so this is at least for all the believers in him. Uh, Malahat is saying, hold on, but Quran follows Sunnah. Okay, that's the answer for everything. Give me more. Uh, and I'm expecting Pegasus to land behind you. Okay, nice. Okay, uh, Sadia and Tosif. Um, 
I think the decision, I mean, we can surely rely on um, uh, the intercession, ask for it, hope for it, but um, the final decision is going to be Allah's to even allow that or accept his intercession. So if that's the case, then, you know, we can't really just say that I will get the Shafa. And um, to my knowledge, I don't think that the Shafa is going to be for everybody, is it? Uh, meaning every Muslim? Every single Muslim. Uh, that is the belief. Um, I don't know why, but um, I, I feel that I read somewhere that it's it's not going to be avail available to every single Muslim. Mm. And I forget okay. the criteria. Like always, I forget details. Okay. <laughs> so. But I can get back on that. Uh, That's so. good. Anyway. Okay. Very good, inshallah. Tosif. So the question is, how much can we rely upon his shifa? So, so um. I think we can rely on it. Uh, well, we, we should, <coughs> well, let me rephrase it. Um, we should, like everyone else, like we, sh we shouldn't think it's a get out of jail free card. Okay. Um, but it is a reality and it is a, a, something gifted to the Prophet. So, so okay. where we fall short, as we ultimately will, in a lot of areas, Bashifat is what's going to get us there. Okay. Okay. So you're saying we do have to rely on this. Angie and then Sabia. Um, I say no. Uh, I think that we don't even know what that, um, cri you know, criteria is for the Prophet وسلم, to interest to intercede for us. I mean, just the word every Muslim, what does that mean? I mean, that would mean everything in the Quran and the Hadith. I don't know, like there's, we don't, and, and I just think of Islam as, I know I've, my, my viewpoint has changed of course through your classes and everything, but I think of Islam still thing. very much, <laughs> I think of Islam still very much individual. And, you know. I don't know what that means, what does that mean? Meaning, meaning that like, like it's between you and God. And, yeah. you know, no one, I mean, I'm not saying no one, including the prophet is going to, but I'm just saying that, you know, it's still up to between each individual and, and God, like the deeds between the person and God. And, okay. and like I said, I don't, we, there's no like clear criteria of what's a Muslim for the prophet to be interceding. And okay. also, I think it's very much like Christianity, like, Jesus died for our sins type thinking. So that's why okay. I lean more towards no. All right. Okay. Sadia. Actually, she touched on that uh, the Christianity, uh, you know, the salvation by Jesus. Because if we rely too much or fully rely, then what's the difference between, you know, our uh, faith and their, their concept of salvation? I mean, yeah, inherently it's different. But um, if everybody is going to, you know, have that for sure, then what's the point? So again, I stand by my point that um, 
because it's upon Allah to decide, I mean, we can't really just go on a freeway. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so Musab is, has caught on to one of the points here. So Musab is making the argument we shouldn't rely on it as much as we rely on Allah's mercy, right? This is a discussion we had before, you know, that, that the argument that I was making is that fundamentally you have to position yourself completely at the mercy of Allah. And on a side, not wouldn't he intercede? Okay, I understand your second question, but your second sentence. So, Musab, uh, I need you to clarify that. And on a side, not, yeah, okay, uh, I need you to clarify that. Uh, awesome. Um, I, yeah, where's yeah, the voice? I want to clarify that for you. So, uh, I wanted to ask on a side note, or wouldn't he intercede in, on the behalf of all humanity on the day of judgment when? People start going to Hazrat Adam, he's going to direct them to Hazrat Nu. And then Hazrat Nu is going to direct them to Hazrat Ibrahim and uh, Hazrat Musa and so on and so on. And then uh, they're all going to end up at the feet of Prophet Muhammad. And then all of humanity is going to ask him to ask Allah to carry on with the judgment. Okay. And then what is he going to do? And he's going to ask Allah, right? So why are we no, saying... No, then what he's going to do is prostrate. Okay. And, and then he's going to prostrate for about a week until Allah stops his prostration. And then he's going to get up and the day of judgment is going to begin. So uh, why are we saying that he's only going to intercede on behalf of the believers and not all of humanity? Because the hadith isn't saying, I mean, even the, uh, the, the narration you're giving, uh, I don't know of, of that. Look it up. I don't know of that saying that the prophet is going to, when they're asking him for intercession, that he's going to give it. Um, but other narrations indicate that he will give it for the Muslims. But look it up because uh, you might be remembering something that I'm forgetting. Because uh, I, I listened to this lecture by Yasser Qadi, where he said he's going to have the thanks of all of humanity on the Day of Judgment. That's why mm -hmm. I thought he's gonna intercede on behalf of humanity see if you can see if you can find those specific narrations either from yasser or from from the hadith literature because okay. um, that makes it even yeah, even easier um okay so <clears throat> so one aspect here is that uh yes that we have to position ourselves uh, as well as we can completely literally at the mercy of allah okay now uh, and then uh, Tosif uh, uh, states it properly, the prophet is himself an instrument of the mercy of Allah, right? That one way that Allah might be giving us his mercy is through the prophet on the day of judgment. In the same way that we mentioned at the beginning, that the prophet, peace be upon him, is literally the highest manifestation of mercy in this dunya. Of all creation, the Prophet, peace be upon him, is the highest manifestation of Allah's mercy to us. Now, let's, let's modify the situation. If I am completely relying upon the Shifa of the Prophet, peace be upon him, as approved by Allah, then what becomes the purpose of Islam for me? Because a lot of people are saying that, all right, if I'm wholly relying upon that, then what's the point of doing anything? Then that is saying 
that the only purpose of Islam is to get me ready for the day of judgment? Is the only purpose of Islam to get me ready for the day of judgment? Awesome. Um, so I think there's a couple of things here. One is that Islam is supposed to make a person the best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. I think I heard that in one of your classes before. Yeah, probably. And then I think I in in uh, I think it was in one of Dr. Omer's classes. He said that a Muslim. I stole it from him. Yeah, yeah maybe. I, he said um, a Muslim is someone around whom others feel safe, and a mu'min is someone around whom all people feel safe. Mm -hmm. And so I think those two things maybe maybe just in theory should be enough to get us to, to keep us on the straight path so okay so yeah we're, we're getting closer to, to the, what I'm what I'm suggesting that <laughs> when we look through the lens of the prophet peace be upon him being our shifa and we find ourselves resistant to it one is because it does run counter to a lot of how we are teaching Islam, that, right, it all comes down to your scales. You know? uh, and that's a lot of American Sunday school Islam. Uh, because if you go to the whole Brailvi community, now this, is, this, is, this is a central, a central argument that the prophet is providing shifa for us. You know? And so if we look at the prophet as providing shifa for us, then it modifies or it enhances how we would otherwise look at the deen. That then what becomes the purpose of the deen, it's perfection throughout the course of our life, which includes this side of death and that side of death. Right? That if we reduce Islam only to success on the other side, then we feel like we're gambling by relying upon the prophet peace be upon him to provide shifa. Right? I mean, that sounds sort of like what I was hearing or inferring from what a lot of people were saying that, okay, we can't rely on, you know, totally on this tiger camel, the whole nine yards and get on jail free card, right? Get on Jahannam free card, like that line. Right? But the point to consider is that if we do take the prophet peace be upon him as, as providing shifa for all of us, then it, as a consequence, it requires us to reframe how we understand what the deen is for. And I'm suggesting that what it then means is that the deen is for every moment of our consciousness, this side or that side. Which goes back to the chart that I drew a couple of days ago, that, that a lot of times we imagine the deen as saying you have to have excellence in this life, at the, excellence in the next life at the cost of this life. And I'm suggesting you can have excellence in that this life and in that life. And that is your actual goal. Malahat and then also. Yeah, I think you just answered seconds ago. Uh, that's what I was trying to say that, you know, if we, the mercy depend upon um, the excellence of the job we are performing here in this world. By okay, that's not what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, the mercy is dependent on Allah's will. So you, you do whatever you have to do here, and then, you know, that's Allah's the mercy is there. So where are we going to put the justice of the locus of Allah? Yeah. So, so this goes back to those narrations 
where we're asked, okay, what would you like to do? Would you like to take all of your good deeds and weigh them against your eyes? Which do you think will be heavier? The rahmah of Allah that giving you your eyes or the justice of Allah for all your good deeds? So which one would be heavier, you know, as you'd imagine in the story? The rahmah of Allah from your eyes, right? And so, assuming you can see. And so, so the point here is that the rahmah of Allah is 100% entirely up to Allah, 0% dependent upon how I live my life. So far, so good? What do you think, Malala? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that, that goes back to that, you know, that the mercy is... Okay, if, if we just follow what you just said, then the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not only encompassed or a scope only for Muslims then. It's for all... It's, the it's for whomever Allah wants to give it to. Correct. Right? And so it could be that in this class of ours of mashallah 20 people, it could be that he gives it to all 20 of us, as well as all of our friends, all of our family, everyone. It could be that he gives it to none of us except maybe one friend of Musab. Right? That's... Allah's complete freedom. Yeah, but it's still, I think we can talk offline if you want, but you know, for where are we going to put the, the book of Allah and those okay, all, so, you know, so, profit. So, so what we will, what we're guaranteed minimum is justice. And, and so uh, justice may be that I get the lightest level of hell. Justice may be that I get the top level of heaven, Allah knows best, because he's also determining what is the value of every action. We can say that some actions are bigger than others, right? A fard uh, prayer is more valuable in general than a nuffle prayer. That we can, we can say, right? Um, but it may be that this one nuffle prayer that I did had such devotion and concentration that it's actually more valuable than all the further prayers that I did. That didn't have as much concentration. And so even then, so on the one hand, we're saying that I'm going to get justice bare minimum. But then what I'm also saying is that Allah is really the one who's determining the value of every single action. And, and that we don't have that secret formula. And so there's that story of the person who is facing Allah on the day of judgment. And he's saying to Allah, okay, Allah, I know I'm going to hell. You know, let's not waste time here. And he's then told, you have to go through accounting like everyone else. And he's saying, yeah, Allah, why are you embarrassing me in front of everyone? Let's just, let's just do this. And then they go through his accounting and sin, 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 sin. And then they come to this moment where somebody, he's being told, okay, somebody asked you for help and you gave that person half a glass of water and we're going to remember all of these deeds. And then uh, he's going to say, yeah. And then that person was so grateful that he did such a passionate prayer for you that it overrided, overrode all of your sins. And so, so the point being, then, then this person goes to paradise. And, and so the point being that 
the minimum we're going to get is justice, guaranteed. And so no one is going to go to hell unfairly. But then what we might get above justice is also is entirely up to Allah. And who knows how high that will be, or it could be zero. And so, so that's one part that I think you're with me in all that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When, when you're saying that, I was just thinking about Surah Mu'minun, the quality of Mu'min, which Allah SWT promised to have a Jannah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so th- those are the qualities we can put as a, as a minimum requirement. Uh, well, I would say that's Mu'minun, uh, not Muslimun. Right. Okay. Okay. And so, so having said all that, what I'm saying is that for a lot of us, it's hard to conceive of a scenario in which we put our full trust that Allah is going to give us through the Prophet, peace be upon him, Shifa intercession. But I'm saying that's a thing. But if that is a thing, then that's redefining how we look at Islam to how it's actually supposed to be, which is that in your Islam, you're seeking to be in perfection. You're seeking perfection in all of your thoughts and actions. That's what you're aspiring to. And so you're, you're seeking that on this side and, and in the next side. And so let's see. Uh, I'm catching up on some of these. Okay, so Musab saying, why do believers do two conduits of mercy? Isn't Allah more than enough? Uh, that assumes that it's a contradiction. Uh, I'm saying, uh, Musab, it's not a contradiction because 100% of whatever we're getting from the Prophet, peace be upon him, is from Allah. You know, on a side point, this is what people often don't understand about Miladun Nabi, birthdays of the Prophet, peace be upon him. You're actually celebrating Allah, right? You're celebrating Allah for creating the Prophet, peace be upon him. But anyway, or even think about this. Why do we say sallallahu alayhi wasallam? So one is, you know, because that's what prescribed. But when you're wishing prayers from Allah or prayers to Allah for blessings on the Prophet, you're elevating Allah above the Prophet, peace be upon him. And so think of how astounding a person the Prophet is, peace be upon him. If we didn't have these things, there's more risk that people would actually elevate the Prophet higher than he's supposed to be. Okay, so a lot of comments. Uh, Angie, awesome, Sabia. I was just going to ask, wouldn't you say then what you just summarized for us about how we approach Islam and how we view view it? Um, that's pretty much everything in Islam, right? I mean, we hope for the best, but we need to make sure we're always, as you said, being uh, uh, trying to perfect. And 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 I I just what I'm taking from what you said is that really all of this, sorry about the background noise, really all of this, the, um, the, the, the Quran and the Hadith are just the ways to let our human minds understand how we can, you know, try to be what God, you know, wants us to be, but it's not, you know, literal, I guess, like when you're asking us these questions over and over, like, um, do you think we can rely on this? Do you think we can rely on that? Alia, Alia, 
You can keep um, talking. We can hear you loud there. Okay. I'm, I'm um, just assuming those are my mood sounds. But yeah. Keep yes. <laughs> um, do, when you when you say when you keep asking us, do you think we can rely on that? I mean, we 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 yeah we need to rely on it just in terms of having a man right right in terms of having faith in god but we can't we can't just ride on any of that faith you know like we have to Why? <laughs> as you just said because it's all about it's not just about getting to the day you know being ready for the day of judgment it's about doing what god wants which is i don't know if i'm explaining this right like what i heard from you is that the Quran and the Hadith are the means to the end, which is basically the end is to do what God wants, but he's giving it to us in human terms, you know, but, but just as a way for us to understand, but we're not going to take that stuff literally all of it, you know, like we're not going to really take it literally. We, we have to do everything because he's asking us to, and then, or telling us to, and then, and then any of the hope that he gives us and any of the, the extra, you know, nice stuff is, is, you know, kind of like a bonus or whatever, but like, I'm just saying that okay. we're not going to ride on that. We're not going to just rely on that only, you know, of course. Okay. So you're saying we're relying on people who are not really relying upon it, but I think here's the key. Okay. You're framing everything through the lens of the day of judgment. Okay. And I'm framing everything through the lens of the moment that you are in. And so so we're often looking at practicing Islam through the lens of success on the day of judgment, which is correct. It is not wrong. I'm upping the ante. I'm saying that we're practicing Islam for perfection of the moment that we're in. So the moment that oh. I'm in right now, what is the proper way in Islam for me to conduct myself? So it's like a conscious every moment type practice. Okay. 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 Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. And I forgot what order we were talking about. Sadia, Asim, Ahant, uh, Asha. Uh, Assalamu alaikum. I just wondered when you were telling, when you were talking. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. When you were um, saying the last scenario about. Um, the guy giving the half a cup of water. Um, I'm wondering in that uh, scenario, does it matter what his intention was when he gave the water? Like you see sometimes on these YouTube videos how people, you know, give money to people and they do the makeovers, but they tape them. So sometimes I feel like their intention is off. Does it matter yeah. or not? So, so in terms of the person giving the, the cup of water, you know, if their intention was to was to serve God or reward from God or you know whatever the case may be, they'll be reported reported uh, rewarded accordingly. But the intention of the person who made the prayer for them seemed to be, "I want this person forgiven for everything they've ever done." And so, so we're looking not so much at the intention of the person because when I was taught this story, uh, there's no mention of what the intention was of the guy who gave the glass of water. But the intention of the recipient, who is so grateful, uh, it seems their intention was very clear that, you know, I'm so thankful for this cup, this cup of water that, you know, Ya Allah, please forgive this person all of their sins. And so I think in that person's intention, it mattered. Does that make sense? Not the giver, but the receiver, the one who made the prayer. I see. Thank you. I think I just butt in front of everyone. I'm sorry. <laughs> Everything's good. All right, uh, Sadia, awesome. Uh-huh. 
Um, I just wanted to uh, comment that um, it, it, let's say, let's suppose if we were to rely on um, uh, the intercession um, and do whatever we want, how, how are we going to even face him? You know, and face Allah. Yeah, both of them, you know, by, you know, how, how would I even expect the Prophet to do intercession on, I mean, I would be ashamed, you know, if I keep doing whatever. I think uh, uh, you're going to be too afraid to have any other feeling except for fear. So we will be essentially feeling, I mean, yeah, this is probably right now in this world, but at that point, we will be selfish. Like we will become We like, are not going to care about anyone anything. but ourselves. Yeah. You know, I, I was teaching this in, in, in my Sunday school back in the day. You know, and all these 14-year-olds, and I was talking about how even on the sirats that we believe we're going to cross over, where you have hell at the bottom, and these, like, claws are coming, pulling people down, and this sirat is as thin as a hair, sharp as a knife, and the only light you're going to have is from the wudu that you did in your life, right? And then people are going to be saying, okay, can you give me some of your light? And and so I had a, a, a this wonderful, humane 15-year-old student was saying, you know, we're, we're going to share with other people. You know, I'm going to share it. People are asking me. And I was telling him, no, you're not. You're not going to care about anyone on the day of judgment. Yeah, that's You're not going to care if everyone else goes to hell. Yeah. Yeah, even the mothers, it is said that even the mothers yes. won't care for their own child. So, no. yeah. And that's very scary. And plus the uh, you know the example that you shared about that man serving the glass of water mm -hmm. i mean as beautiful as it is and as much hope as it gives us there is another side of it which we discussed previously that it could be the other way around too like you do great thing you know all your life and a smallest bad deed can land you in hell so so that's uh, that's uh, Sadia growing up in Sunday school in Pakistan. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. True, isn't it? So is is it so is it not true? So so we definitely have narrations of, for example, there will be those people who will spend their whole life doing bad, and then they change themselves you know, uh, not realizing that they're at the end and then they die and then they get salvation. And there'll be those other people who will spend their whole life doing good. And then for some reason they change themselves and then they die and then they go to hell. Yeah, so in principle, yes, that is true. But I'm saying it's totally um, Pakistani style to have to introduce that and remind us, no, no, you're still gonna go to hell because, you know, there's still a chance. <laughs> Just teasing, teasing. All right, uh, Asim and Ahant. Uh, um, is there anything that says that Allah will absolutely accept the Prophet's intercession on our behalf? So are you asking how categorical the language is? Yeah, as in, as in, you know, the Prophet says, hey, you know, uh, please be merciful towards person A. And Allah says, yeah, great. I'm going to show this person all the mercy in the world. And then. Okay. So that's the difference between dua versus intercession. So du'a is the prophet is asking. Intercession is that he's been given, you know, uh, the get out of Jahannam free card to give it to, uh, to every single Muslim. 
I see. Now, one point I didn't add is that what's not clear is when will this take place? Will this take place during judgment or will this take place after people have already been sent to hell? Oh, snap. That changes the story a little bit. That part is not clear. Yeah, awesome. Isn't isn't the when kind of a question mark anyway? Because doesn't don't Jannah and Jahannam exist outside of time? So when doesn't really matter. Okay, it matters if you're where you are exactly. Are you are you standing before Allah on judgment, or are you in the pits of hell? Meaning, okay, hell's right there in front of me, and the Prophet, may peace be upon him, is is giving us shifa. So by hell, we go to paradise. That's a different scenario than, okay, you're being dumped to the fourth level of hell. And while you're there, experiencing, you know, pain like you never have before, uh, then the prophet comes and saves you out. Those are two different things, aren't they? Sort of. Okay. Okay, where would you rather be told you're saved? No, no, no. I, I, I understand what you're saying, right? Yeah. But if we remove the, uh, the dimension of time from this... Okay, then forget the dimension of time or location. We're talking about where are you physically. Scenario one, which is the common understanding, is you're standing in judgment. Okay. Right. What I'm suggesting is, well... It's not that clear. Majority opinion says that it'll happen during the day of judgment. Uh, or you've been sentenced to hell already. And you're experiencing all the horrors of hell. And then, like a light appears and the prophet takes you out. That also implies that the prophet would have to be present in hell, which is also an interesting concept that I've never... Okay, but that, that doesn't negate anything that I'm saying, though, right? Yeah, but, okay, so if... So, again, this this might have been the first class I ever took with you at, in college. You said, uh, you said, heaven and hell exist outside of time, and therefore they're, they always have been, always will be, and currently are populated. Can't keep going. So if that's true, how can you be in both? Okay. Am I saying where are you or where are you right now? Are you in hell? I mean, you might say, yeah, this class feels like hell, but are you in hell right now? <laughs> uh, no, you're, you're here in earth pre-distant, pre-day of judgment, right? Sure. Okay. And so in your consciousness, the day of judgment is in the future, yeah? Sure. Okay. And so you'll be in the day of judgment. And in that consciousness, as far as we understand, heaven or hell will be in the future. Until you are then given your sentence. Yeah, again, that, that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at, right? Is that you're, you're, when you say future, you're, you're putting time onto it. Yeah, but I'm saying, okay, forget the time element. Is there a difference between you standing before a law in judgment versus you waiting for to, to stand up before a law in the day of judgment? So day of judgment, imagine 
we're in a stadium and right now we're watching post Eve's judgment and every one of us knows one of us is going to be called next. Yeah. So far so good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then, you know, then Austin gets called and oh Austin is now. Yeah. What? I said, Oh boy. Yeah. So Asim is being called. They're going through his whole life. All the rest of us here, Malahad Ali Abdullah, we're all watching it, uh, you know, in tremors about when we're going to be called. Okay. And then Asim gets sentenced, not this Asim Jali, but a different Asim gets sentenced to hell. Sure. Okay. So he's gone. And then Aliyah gets called for her judgment. Yeah. Aliyah gets to the top level of paradise, mashallah. Malahad gets the top level of paradise, mashallah, right? Yeah. So Asim is busy in hell, burning, scorching, life is skin is getting torn apart, all that stuff, right? And whatever, however long he's there, it feels like he's already been there for a thousand years. And then the prophet's intercession applies and he's taken out. So maybe the prophet himself isn't going to come. Maybe some angels will come down and say, all right, you've been pulled out of the hell matrix. Sure. So I'm saying that experience of being in hell is going to be different than the experience of being in the day of judgment itself. Right? And so what I'm saying is that the uh, majority interpretation seems to be that the prophet will be offering intercession, which may mean we even skip the judgment part. It may mean that we get judged, but we don't get sent to hell if we were supposed to go to hell. Or it may mean that it applies after we've already been sent to hell. For those who are going to go to hell and tell none of us, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean. So, so you see the distinction that I'm making? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I'll hunt. Um, so, like, I was just going to ask, uh, you know, what are your overall thoughts on all this? I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, so what's the, like, overarching point here? I mean, the overarching point is that uh, this is apparently a real thing. But I mean, if we bring it back to, okay, so, so what are the points we've, oh, by the way, these are just weights that I wear to make me feel like I'm working out. So it's nothing, sorry, thanks, thanks for your concerns, Yishan. So usually I also have them on my ankles, but I have to move them around. So, so in any case, uh, so, so the micro discussion, and then I'll bring it back to the macro discussion. So the micro discussion here is, uh, what is the reliability for, for, uh, for, or what level of reliability should we give on the fact of the prophet giving us intercession on the day of judgment? So Allah says in the Quran, you know, and I'm paraphrasing that no intercession is going to be given except when Allah allows. And it seems as though he is allowing the prophet, peace be upon him, to give intercession, at least to the Muslims. And, and Musab is going to double check to see if that's for everybody. Which means you get to you get a, a pass to paradise. Okay. So that's the core point. And then I'm raising the question: how how much should we rely upon that? And the common sentiment is, yeah, but no. Right? And I'm suggesting, yeah, completely. You rely upon it completely as a statement of hope. Okay. And and then uh, uh what that would then mean is what is the purpose for Islam then? If all I need is to take the Shahada 
and hopefully get intercession? I'm saying no, then what that then means is that the focus of your Islam is not only the day of judgment, the focus of your Islam is making every moment, every action increasingly perfect over the course of your life. And so now your focus is on the moment. And because of these circles you'd like to hover in, there's a common teaching that the Sufi lives in the moment. And so the idea here is that you're perfecting the moment. And then the next moment, and then the next moment in terms of how you conduct yourself. So when we speak of Islam being a way of life, that's what I'm saying, that it's really all about how do I conduct myself in each scenario that I'm in as a servant of Allah. So are you saying the Sufi way is the best way to do that? Not the way you're learning from those people. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> this is an ongoing trolling that I've been doing for aunts about certain people who try to bring people's hearts together. So anyway, so so uh, uh, I am saying that there are certain Sufi ways that are seeking Ihsan, which is exactly what I'm talking about, yes. Okay. And so, so to Jules point, following the prophet is the most excellent way to do that. Yeah. And again, that applies to everything. The point I'm making is that when I internalize it, I'm shifting from something, not just merely seeking success in the day of judgment, which all of us should be seeking and hoping for and fearing we won't get, but I'm also seeking and hoping and fearing I won't have a perfect uh, life moment. So let's change it. Let's say I say to you, okay, so tomorrow is Wednesday. Making your goal to make tomorrow Wednesday as perfect as possible, Islamically perfect. And if that's too big, pick a prayer tomorrow that you make as Islamically perfect as possible. And if that's too difficult, then uh, your du'as that you do at the end of one of your prayers, try to make that as Islamically perfect as possible. So when we're taught that the believer sees, seeks perfection in everything they do, I'm saying that's a consequence that would happen if my reliance for my intercession for it is, is that the prophet gives me intercession. But then what is the opposite? The opposite is say, yeah, I don't care. And that's the path of hypocrisy. The opposite becomes I'm seeking whatever in this dunya will give me whatever more of this dunya. And so nothing's changing in terms of how I'm describing Islam, except that I'm making every moment a lot more serious, requiring more consciousness. Uh, Sadi and Olfak. So the um, the idea of the people who say that um, we might get intercession after uh, people have gone to hell. And um, so is it is it the same thing um, that we hear about, like the Muslims are going to finally go to heaven anyway, you know, after mm. receiving their punishment? So are those two things the same? Are these the same people? You know, I so just trying to reconcile. It seems as though those, this is not the same thing. Hmm. So, so without the prophet's involvement on the day of judgment, if that's possible to imagine, 
And there will be those people who are going to hell and will be there until they pay off whatever they need to pay off. And will be going to paradise. There'll be those people who will be going to hell. And if they had even a grain of Iman in their hearts, they're going to be going to paradise, right? And then there are those people who will be going to hell. And perhaps the prophet, peace be upon them, is going to be given the license by Allah to take them out. The key, however, is when is this intercession applying? Allah knows best. And so I'm just raising the point that maybe it applies before sentencing, sentencing or reward, or maybe it applies after. Allah knows best. Uh, Musab, you're saying, is the intercession symbolic in any way as Allah allows it? That's a good question. Um, that the only answer to that is Allah knows best, but the majority opinion is that it's taken literally. And symbolic would mean what? That you're still being judged according to your actions. Uh, I think that would reduce the possibility of Allah's rahmah. Ulfat. Or in fact, before, before, let me just interrupt you. I'm sorry, Ulfat. Suppose, let's make it into the moment. Suppose I said, okay, all of you sit in the posture that the prophet would sit. Straighten your posture. Bam. You even feel compelled to straighten your posture. Yeah, see, everyone's like, let me straighten my posture. So this is what I'm talking about. Okay, Ulfat. So in an earlier class, we were talking about how people are starting to have their own versions of Islam. Yeah. And so we're supposed to try to practice Islam perfectly in the moment, but then there are so many different versions. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe the ayah kind of alludes to a bit of how people change things the way they want to understand it. So find mm -hmm. loopholes. Mm -hmm. um, so how does that fit with people think they are practicing Islam? <laughs> perfectly in this moment when nice. aren't. Yeah, so now this is bringing us, thank you for that, this is bringing us back to the ayah itself that we were exploring, which would complete then the, the question that Ahant raised, well, it doesn't look like Ahant's here anymore, but, or he might be on a different screen. The, so, so the basic uh, idea of these big old schools of Islam, like Ahl al-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah, you know, Ahl al-Tashay, so forth and so on. The idea is that Fundamentally, only Allah knows what Allah is going to accept. But based on what Allah has shared through the Prophet, peace be upon him, meaning the Quran, Sunnah, and whatever is captured in the Hadith, and then whatever we have of what the Sahaba have done, this is our interpretation for how to live what has been shared. And so, like we always say at the end, Allahu Alam. That, that basically the idea of these schools in theory is to capture what is in the primary material and then make it relevant for our time and place. And so the Ibadi school, for example, is saying, all right, there's no interpretation here. It's just categorical black and white. And that's their method of saying, hey, this is the closest we can get to understanding what Allah is seeking. And so the whole complex thing that we call how is it operating? It's saying, okay, we default to the meaning of the texts before trying to look at internal meanings. That's where we default. And we, how do we figure out the meanings of the texts? We look at narrations, we look at grammar, we look at language, 
And then from there, we construct this whole edifice that we call Sunni Islam. And so, so that's the answer, the Sunni answer to that. And so in terms of how I practice my Islam, I'm positioning myself in that universe of Sunni Islam. And, and then I'm also defaulting to try to make Allah's Rahmah as wide as possible. But again, you keep hearing me over and over again say, Allah knows best, Allah knows best, Allah knows best, right? And so it could be that this giant edifice that we call Sunni Islam is wrong. But if we just speak in terms of the perspective of odds, me using my own inspiration and reflection versus me, you know, trying to make sense of, you know, years of argument and interpretation and deliberation and back and forth, I'm guessing chances are those are probably going to be uh, more right on the money than I am. Make sense? And so that would then apply to, you know, what I'm calling boutique Islam, where everyone has their own interpretation. If I have my own interpretation, then I better hope that it's somewhat sound, you know, for when I'm facing a law. Because we do have people who call themselves Muslim who believe in other prophets. We do have people who call themselves Muslim who believe that Allah came in the form of a man who say there's no day of judgment and such. And so throughout Islamic history, we have had those movements. And so that is the goal. The goal is to keep uh, refining your interpretation, your understanding on the one hand, and that goes hand in hand with refining your practice as well. It is a lifelong journey. Okay, uh, did it make sense? Okay, so <clears throat> the last part, uh, we have uh, a couple minutes left. So then I-25 is saying, how is it going to be when we have brought them all together on a day of which there is no doubt and everyone will be paid in full what they have earned? They will not be wrong. So once again, everyone is going to get the minimum of complete justice. So it might be in the context of the ayahs there, people who say we're only going to be in hell for a couple of days, it might be they actually earn far more than a couple of days. So, and so having said that, if we meet tomorrow, so most likely Eid is going to be on Thursday for everybody. And so tomorrow, most likely I will be here and I'd like to complete with ayahs 26 and 27. Because that is going to return everything back to Allah bringing everything full circle, inshallah. All righty. And so we'll stop right here. Okay, so will I be continuing the classes after Eid? So this is, a, I've been getting a number of requests for this. And so it seems that they're all sadist masochists. Uh, so it's in consideration. Uh, I'm the extremist style where, you know, I'm of the opinion that if you want learning, it has to be repeated, continuous, continuous learning. So like one a week classes drive me crazy. So either way, I'm figuring it out and we'll, we'll see inshallah. Yeah. And they drive me crazy, not because of anything for me. It's like, I want learning to happen. So day after day after day. So it gets really lodged in your mind. But I mean, as some of the people in the classes here know that I have quite a few ongoing one-on-one -on -one learning classes. They go once a week. In any case, I have to run. Subhanakallahumma bihamdikana shalwa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiru dhamma to ilaik. May Allah tell the word you all, inshallah, and inshallah, 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 we will wrap up tomorrow. 
And otherwise, some of you, it'll be Eva Barak. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.